Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Bellerín, otro defensor, otro disparo. Monreal, gol. Marca el futbolista español. Marca Nacho Monreal. Pim, pam, pum. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. James, a very goodly, sunny, warm morning to you. Oh, goodly, sunny, warm morning to you too. That's not what I've got over here. I've got, I've got rain and oh, storms. Oh, really? Oh, well, that's shit, because yeah. uh, I'm looking out my window here. The sky is blue. The birds are... Well, what are they're flappy and they've got wings and shit and they're flying around and there's bees. Scary. Yeah, there's bees and uh, other garden insects. Everyone's everyone's quite happy. It's warm here. What's happening with the world? Is it is it ending? Is this what it is? I don't know. I mean, it was really sunny here yesterday. I mean, I don't understand weather. I'm not a meteorologist, but it felt like, <laughs> you know, that thing where it's sort of so sunny that it turns into a storm. I think that's the science of it. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it gets too sunny, nature says, fuck this. I got to rain on some bitches. That's the way it works. Exactly. And it rained hard and I was one of the many bitches caught in the in the, in the the drench. Oh, well. But uh, no, look, it's fine. It's fine. You know, the, the plants need to drink, right? Yeah. They're people too. Yeah, 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 yeah. They've got to slurp up the uh, the rain we and uh, and grow exactly. <laughs> in our gardens. I apologize in advance. I'm I've been a bit sick over the weekend and my voice is uh it's a bit all over the place. It's uh it's it feels like it's breaking at times. You know, if I try and make a point if I exclaim something and I try and mm. get a bit if I get a bit excited, chances are it'll just be like oh my god like that. So oh, I, I do word. I do apologize in advance. Um I, I'll try not to make anything t- too exciting happen on this podcast in that case to, all right. to prevent that. Okay. I, d- I don't think there is that much exciting happening to be perfectly honest, but we'll we'll muddle on through as best we can. There are things that we can talk about, but it just struck me before we uh, began the podcast that we haven't spoken really since the the big announcement of the Arscast Extra Live mm. where, uh, last week when we were all taken aback in shock at uh, the appointment or the announcement of the appointment of Unai Emery. Uh, and obviously last week there was a lot of focus on, on the Spaniard and, and what he was going to do, what he was going to bring to the club, etc., etc. I mean, he got the, uh, he got the, the full... Uh, tour from Ivan Gazidis. So uh, this is our tunnel area. I mean, that must have been <laughs> the highlight of his day. I, I imagine, imagine Unai Emery he went home and he said to his uh, said to his missus, Mrs. Emery, said, "Fuck! I mean, it's such a great club. The history, 
the the weight of it. You can feel it. What an amazing stadium following a man whose legacy lasted for 22 years, who, who created the Invincibles, who brought Thierry Henry, Patrick Vieira, Dennis Bergkamp. This is on top of a team that has already won many league titles, uh, doubles in mm. the past. You know, the, the one of the traditional great clubs of England. And, you, you know, honestly, wife, you should see the tunnel area. It's, it's beyond <laughs> words. What, what what this tunnel area has it's it's enclosed i guess you would say like like yeah. most tunnels it's got walls on either side and at the end of it there's there's an escape there's a bit you can get out it's just it's i get, it's beyond get all my dreams yeah like, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised. I imagine that's how we convince new signings to join the club. You know, we don't actually offer them any kind of money or anything. We just give them a quick <laughs> tour of the tunnel. I mean, I know we were hoping for good chemistry between Gazidis and Emery, but on his first day, he showed him his tunnel. I mean, is that a worry? <laughs> Where does it go from there? Yeah, well, look, the only way is uh, either up or down or <laughs> out the other side, as you said. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see how it goes. But. In the in the passing of time in the in the week or or so that's uh, that's gone since uh, since his announcement was made. How are you feeling about it? How do you how do you feel about it in the cold light of day now that the dust has settled a bit? Yes, I thank you for taking uh, Mr. David Ornstein to task on his his attempt to you know devastate our live podcast with his announcement in mm. the middle of it. Um, <clears throat> how am I feeling? I feel really excited about it, and I think that's probably reflective of how everybody feels. I think initially there was almost a, a sense of shock about this appointment, but inevitably we've all been so hungry for change that when it has come, it's kind of exhilarating and I, I really enjoyed I was at the, the press conference you know, yeah. press conference yeah. and I thought he came across really well I thought it was a pretty uh, masterful performance from someone really especially given that it was not in his first language and I think ever since then I felt increasingly secure about the decision that has been made and uh, it's, I know it's easy to say with hindsight but the more you think about it and the more you look at it it does just feel like Mikel Arteta as exciting a prospect as it was would have been the most extraordinary gamble and not one I'm I'm necessarily sure it was sensible to take at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm on board with that. And I, like you, I'm excited. I'm, I'm curious to see what he can bring both in terms of, you know, the, the improvements he might make to what's already there and how he's going to work with what else we're going to add to the squad. And we'll certainly talk about that in a few minutes' time as well. Um, have you read the, the few little pieces that were doing the rounds at the weekend? There was one um, which was on... Uh, get French football news, which they appear to have copied uh, from from the original author, uh, who is yeah, uh, it was from a PSG website originally. No, no, it uh, wasn't. It was from a guy called. Oh. Uh, Bum, bum, bum. I should have looked this up. Marty Peronau, I think is his name. He wrote the book about uh, Pep Guardiola, the one who was given all the access to Pep. You know, the guy, the guy who loves Pep. Uh, I don't know if you've read that book, but he really, he really loves Pep. He loves everything that Pep does, and uh, uh, and he wrote this piece on his own website, which is behind a paywall, apparently, and um, that's where it's I come see. from. So, but it, you know, in fairness, it wasn't in English behind the paywall, so there is some kind of uh, service being done. Nevertheless, um, it was a very interesting piece on Emery and what kind of a man he is and what his philosophies are in terms of football and and everything else. 
Yeah, it was really interesting. And I, and I, I suppose one of the things you would say is much like the author of that piece, something they have in common is a real fascination and admiration for Pep Guardiola. That's one of the things that really comes out about Emery. He talks a lot about Guardiola, but not exclusively Guardiola. He talks about Simeone as well. Yeah. Uh, and the kind of managers, the kind of football he aspires to. And one of my, one of my big take-outs from the piece, and I do recommend you... Uh, try and chase it down from whatever source I think I have retweeted it on my Twitter timeline somewhere is he talks about the the changes that he had to go through as a manager when he moved from Sevilla to PSG the manner in which he had to adapt to being at a in inverted club as bigger club yeah um and and what that made me think about was I wonder where Arsenal sits on that scale and to what degree the approach he adopted at Sevilla would be right or wrong for Arsenal. Ah, For for example, he talks about his manner on the touchline, for example. He says, Mm. when I moved to PSG, it's a more statesman-like role. You know, I had to kind of uh, refine my um, behaviour a little bit. And he also talks about that in terms of the preparation. Like, uh, at Sevilla, I did a lot more one-to-one coaching, but at PSG, I put more responsibility on the players because they have more ability and also there's just less time in terms of the frequency of fixtures. So it it would be interesting to know to what degree he'll tailor his approach when dealing with Arsenal because are Arsenal a PSG or Arsenal a Sevilla? Yeah, I mean, is it a case that he, he has got to work to some instruction at Arsenal? Like, this is the way we want you to to play? Or is it a case that Arsenal are bringing him in to say, do what you can with this group of players? You know, that's certainly an interesting mm. thing. There was a really good piece in The Guardian as well by a guy called Marco Andreoli, who, who played for uh, Sevilla. Uh, he's an Italian, I think, and he played for Sevilla. And he says, Arsenal have appointed a winner. He talks about uh, Emery has one great quality. He is an extraordinary motivator. His speciality is preparing for matches, and he goes on to talk about the video stuff that he does. Uh, Then he says, I'm just going to read a little bit here, um, which I think is very interesting. He says, what's more, Emery's backroom staff was of the highest quality. His coaches are brilliantly prepared, studying for every big game. Unai and his staff are on top of every little detail. They don't leave anything to chance. They absolutely live for football. From a tactical perspective, he is perhaps better suited to Italian football than the Spanish game. On the training pitch, he works hard on defensive phases and how to counter particular opponents. Now, obviously, when, when you talk about living for football, there's a comparison that can be made with Arsene Wenger in the way he approaches the game. He was the same. He absolutely lives for football. But that attention to detail, that preparation, that focus on the opponents, that, that focus on the defensive side of the game, that should get people quite excited because it does seem to address some of the issues that we have had down the years, and particularly in the last number of years uh, under Arsene Wenger, where those things were weaknesses and flaws that came to be exposed far too regularly. That's right, yeah. I mean, there's clear contrast there. And I suppose the other thing that's going to be different about Emery is that his focus is that bit more narrow. You know, Arsene always talked about the breadth of his role and how he was responsible for the entire football club. Whereas Emery, as head coach, you would think, is 
principally in charge of the first team squad. That's mm. his that's his concern. And so all that energy and all that focus can be diverted directly into that. So I, I really am excited about it. And it's interesting you mentioned about the backroom team. I mean, it's been about a week or so, hasn't it, since yeah. the appointment and no no news forthcoming as yet on that. But you would think they must be working on that at the moment. I know there was some talk about the, the goalkeeping coach potentially coming over from Paris, which I think would be a very welcome addition. I mean, I guess he would have. He's got this assistant, this number two, that he always works with. And I would imagine that he's probably got other staff that want to come with him. There were stories yeah. doing the rounds how accurate they are or not, that he might have a, an ex-player or somebody with a connection to the club as part of his staff in order to, I guess in some ways, Arsenalify his experience to, to have somebody who mm. truly understands what the club is about. But, you know, I'm not sure how important that is. You know, I, I don't know that it's that important to have an ex-Arsenal player involved with the coach or with the coaching staff. You know, if you want to have somebody at executive level or a board member, perhaps, or somebody who's a, like a liaison between the board and the, the, the manager, maybe. You know, I think we we uh, we could make space for that. But I'm not sure it's necessary to inflict or to insist on somebody being part of his backroom team just because they have a history with Arsenal, like if if this guy is as uh, professional and if he's focused and um, dedicated as everyone seems to say that he is, why does he need somebody uh, to tell him what Arsenal is about? You know, he knows what the job is. He knows it's about winning football matches. He will come to understand what Arsenal is about himself. You know, he perhaps needs to take his own view of what Arsenal is rather than have one prescribed to him because maybe that might impact his thinking in some way. So, look, if there's a brilliant candidate out there who can come in and maybe act as a buffer or even as a, a translator or somebody who can, who can you know, uh, deal with him while his English is improving, then great. But I don't know that that's necessary, really. I mean, maybe it would be useful to have someone come in who you know has a, a, a working knowledge of the Premier League and is fluent in both Spanish and English. I mean, I know... Pep Guardiola did that at Manchester City. What's Mikel Arteta up to these days? Anyone <laughs> have any ideas about that? No idea. But I, uh, I, 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 as regards having someone with the knowledge of the club on the staff, I mean, are we not led to believe that Jens Lehmann's probably going to keep his job and fulfill yeah. that role potentially? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I don't think there's any, uh, any problem with that. It depends what kind of a role he's going to have. You know, he came in as a coach slash analyst. So maybe that's a, a prescribed role within the club that they, they want to keep and they want to keep Jens in mm. there. Steve Bold, of course, is somebody who could be involved but you know my feeling is uh, that Bold will probably want to move on you know um, he's going to be demoted isn't he if he stays or at least I mean at Manchester City they have a system where Guardiola has more than one assistant I think he's got three assistant coaches actually so maybe they could you know bring in bring in I think it's Juan Carlos is it is that uh, Emery's assistant it's something like that yeah uh, maybe they could bring him in to work alongside Bold in a similar role to avoid publicly demoting him but I can't see him feeling too comfortable with that really I, I, I'd be very surprised if he's here at the start of next season yeah Juan Carlos Carcedo is his uh, is his name so he seems a pretty intense guy and look from what from what we've read about the way that he operates, but, you know, Emery and his staff, they are absolutely going to drill the shit out of these players. They're going to yeah. make them do things that they've never done before in terms of the way they prepare for games. You know, I'm not saying that Arsene Wenger was not serious or his preparation was not serious or anything like that. 
But having to deal with different methods, different ideas, different um, different ways of preparing for a game rather than just turn up, do the training, you know, someone gets a nutmeg, everyone's happy and they, you know, they go home smiling. You know, you can have a laugh in training and still be serious. Of course you can, but... You know, he's going to demand a lot from these guys. Um, there was a good story on, on last week's Arscast um, from uh, Colin Miller, who's uh, the editor of Football España, and, you know, his preparation, uh, giving players videos. Uh, it was the guy who's at Barcelona. What's his name? Jeremy Mathieu. And, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, 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 I've watched the video. I've watched the video. Of course, great, fantastic insight. And they've given him a blank video. So, you know, <laughs> he's smart enough to know what footballers are about. And uh, if he's going to push this, these guys completely and utterly out of their comfort zone, I can't begin to tell you how on board I am with that. Some of them are going to respond to it brilliantly and some of them are not. That's just the way it's going to go. And it'll be interesting to see who... Who gets on board? Who's behind it? Who learns from it? Who develops under this system? And who decides this is not for them? This is too much for me. I'm going to end up somewhere else, you know? Uh, I think, you know, we, we talk about this summer being interesting, but, you know, over the course of this season, I think next summer is going to be very interesting as well because the manager will have a much better idea of the players he has and, and who's willing to work within the structures he wants. Yeah. That's, it feels long overdue, doesn't it, this kind of approach? And it's just really exciting to see what he will be able to do with this team. I mean, pre-season's going to be crucial for him. He's lucky that there aren't too many players away at the World Cup. Something he talks about uh, in that interview shortly after leaving PSG is the difficulty of when you have midweek games to prepare for, just that you can't necessarily prepare in the same degree of detail that he was necessarily accustomed to in his prior jobs. And he will have that. In England, he'll have the Europa League to yeah. contend with. Um, I mean, you couldn't forgive me if I sort of hope that he doesn't take the group stages all that seriously uh, because, you know, they're nonsense, aren't they? We should progress without any real trouble. Yeah. But it, it will be really fascinating to see who who blossoms under Emery and who's really willing to embrace this opportunity to try new things, to learn, to improve their game. You know, there are so many young players at Arsenal who we've said recently have stagnated. I'm thinking about people like Hector Bellerin or Alex Awobi who've shown promise but then seem to have, you know, missed that attention to detail, that the minutiae that turns someone from a good prospect into a really good player. And... Uh, Emery, I think, is someone who really could help these guys fulfil their potential if they're open to it. So yeah. I'm excited about it and I really hope they are. And if they're not, like you say, next summer could could be interesting in that respect. Yeah, for sure. Next summer, if you're not on board, you're going elsewhere, I reckon. And that's uh, that's the way it should be. So um, what was I going to say to you? So look, some of the players that we have been linked with... Uh, yeah. Sorry, there's beepy things going off here. Um <laughs> players that we it's have the transfer alarm <laughs> it is I think we've just signed a guy who's 48 years of age um, <laughs> no we, we we are going to be inevitably linked with with players because the squad needs improvement we know that but the two players we have been linked with very strongly from a defensive point of view have been um, I guess not necessarily the most Exciting signing, Stefan Licksteiner, who is a 34-year-old yeah. wingback slash right-back coming from Juventus on a free transfer, assuming that goes through. And then our old mate, Socrates Papastathopoulos. Mm. I'm just going to call him Socky. That's my... Uh, that's Socky. Socky. <laughs> Mr. Socky, yeah. 
So he's he's uh, he's coming in from uh, Borussia Dortmund. We might touch on uh, the Sven element of that uh, in a little while. But what did you make of those, or what do you make of those two links in terms of a what we need to do to our defense and b what we need to do uh, elsewhere in this uh, team ahead of next season? Well, I mean, the news broke a few days apart, and I'm going to deal with them separately because I my reaction was a little bit different in each case. As regards Licksteiner, I think I was immediately pretty happy with that move. I know that he's 34 years old, but it's an area of the pitch where we need cover desperately. Uh, we need someone who can fill in effect to Bellerin and who can play games to give Bellerin the occasional opportunity to rest, God forbid. And Licksteiner at 34 has played a decent amount of football for Juventus this year, is extremely reliable, and it's a very... It looks to me like a smart move. This is a guy who's not going to cost us anything in terms of a transfer fee. It's probably not going to be a long-term commitment. You know, you're probably looking at a one or two-year deal max. Uh, and given the limited resources that we're led to believe we have this summer, it just seemed to me like a very smart, sensible solution to that problem. And I, I also don't mind someone with, you know, some experience, some know-how coming in. It reminded me a little bit, I know the age is different, but it reminded me a little bit of sort of the Oleg Luzhny signing. You know, so mm-hmm. signing of someone with uh, who's a bit canny, who knows the game, who can slot in without too much trouble, uh, but isn't going to necessarily be like a first-team starter in the long run. Any you know concerns I mean? about the age? Uh, I know he's experienced. I can see all the plus sides, but any yeah. concerns that at 34 years of age coming to the Premier League, which is very, very quick, that might be an issue? Potentially. I mean, we've seen fullbacks before. There can be a moment, can't there, where in their mid-30s they just suddenly fall off a cliff. Um I always think of Gary Neville, who sort of in the course of a game basically decided he had to retire. Uh, I mean, Callum Chambers experienced something similar playing at fullback. He was about 21. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think, uh, yes, it is an athletically challenging position, but one of Lichsteiner's qualities certainly, in, I'm going to say in recent years, has apparently been his, his stamina and his athleticism. Uh, and I have read a couple of people say that in that classic term that was applied to Tomasz Rzewski, in football years, he's a good deal younger than 34. But I, you are right. Okay. There is always that concern that yep. a player could suddenly fall away. OK, so what about Saki? Well, Socrates uh, Papastathopoulos, I have been Papastathopoulos, I think. Papastathopoulos. Papastathopoulos. I think that's right. Okay. Yeah. Papastathopoulos. Or Socky. Or Socky. I think we should. The reason do, I, do, I think we do just... demand that some respect and call him by his actual name. You know, <laughs> Mister. Okay. Fair Mr. enough. P. Fair enough. <laughs> Mister P. <laughs> uh, Socky P. That would be his scrap name. I. Th- <laughs> I. Uh, I tell you what. I've a little. My perception of this deal was very coloured by. Um, the excellent analysis of uh, LG Ambrose uh, of Arsblog, who mm. follows Arsenal and Dortmund respectively, uh, and says that Socrates has been a bit of a disaster in the Bundesliga. That's is that is that well, I think I think Fair that's enough? I think that's this season or last season just gone. He hasn't yes. been great, and. Uh, but nor have many for Dortmund. Yeah, exactly. It would be a bit like judging 
Arsenal players on the basis of last season too. We know that some of the players haven't played as well as they can, but we know they're better players than they've shown in the last season. I think that's that's the sense I get from that analysis, that previous to this, he's been a pretty reliable performer for them. Previous to this, he has, and he's kind of, uh, you know, performed regularly for them at Champions League level. He's off good pedigree. You know, he was at Milan earlier in his career. He's an experienced international. He's at the peak kind of age for a centre-half, I, I would argue. You know, that 29, 30 is often when they're at their very best. So it really does depend on if last season was the start of an inexorable decline or a bad patch for a very yeah. good player, doesn't it? Well, 29, if we're talking about uh, bringing in a fullback who is 34 years of age and being optimistic about his ability to cope with the lightning-quick English game and everything else, the physicality of it, 29 is not old for a centre-half in any way. So I think we've got to give him some of the benefit of the doubt in that sense. He is very experienced. He's an international. You know, he's played at the highest level for Dortmund. Um, you know, in the Champions League, plenty of experience in that regard. And when you look at the age profile of our central defenders, Callum Chambers is 23, Rob Holding is 22, Mavropanos is 20. You know, these are the guys perhaps that are going to be the future of the club. Shkodran Mustafi is 26, so he's somewhere in the middle. And then you've got Koscielny, who is uh, 32, going on 33, who's not going to play anyway until he's 33 years of age. So kind of in the in the September, October of his career, Mertesacker is gone. We need an experienced centre half. There's no question about it and I do feel like the deals we're doing for these defenders not only do they speak to our our desire to hold on to money to perhaps invest in younger talent and more expensive talent in other areas of the pitch I also think they're realistic signings about who we are and where we are uh, you know we're a team that finished sixth 12 points off the top four 30 odd points off the uh, the champions right? Yeah, We're not, as much as we like to feel excited by a new manager and everything else, we're not the, the, as attractive a proposition as, as we once were. Uh, I think we've got good players yeah. at the club. We've got lots of good attacking talent at the club. You know, you don't need me to go through the names we have from an attacking point of view. What we need is to add some experience, some, some, uh, some profile, I guess. Guys who've been around the block a bit, who can come in, uh, they're not going to be overawed or freaked out. You can say uh, Socrates, Papastathopoulos, he could be another Squilacci. Maybe he could. Or maybe he'll be a guy who comes in at 29 years of age and plays well for two or three seasons, which allows some of our younger defenders to develop and to learn, uh, provide some cover, etc., etc. Um bolsters a defensive area which needs it both in terms of its performance and also numbers. We need defensive numbers in there as well. Uh, We do have the Europa League to deal with. Um, We're not going to go out and spend 20, 40, 50 million pounds on the greatest new central defensive talent that's out there. Whoever he is, I don't know who he is, but whoever he is, if he even exists, would not join us anyway because he'd have his pick of clubs because central defenders, young central defenders who are really, really talented um, are are thin on the ground. So you wouldn't join Arsenal. You would join 
any other of the big clubs in England, perhaps, or you would join one of the big clubs in Europe because, you know, they're as desperate for good centre-halves as anybody else uh, when you look around. So I can see all the logic behind it. I just hope that the reason we are going this particular way with our defenders is because we know we're going to need to spend money on a, on a central midfield player of some repute and quality and also a goalkeeper. I think those... Uh, the, the age profile of those signings will be significantly different from the two defensive signings we've been linked with. I think that's absolutely right. I think this is a cheap deal, really. I mean, we're talking about, what, 16 million quid, something like that, yeah. for a, an international centre-half. It's that price because he's got a year left on his contract. A contract that Dortmund did try to extend earlier in the season, by the way. So however bad he was, they still wanted to keep him. He rejected that deal, and that's why we're getting him for a, for a low price. And in this market, that is a low price for any player. You know, we, we'll do well to sign anyone for less money than that this summer. Um, I think... I think it's expedient. I think it makes sense. I think the age profile is important. We don't have a centre-half in that age bracket. We don't have... I mean, the closest we have to a centre-half in their prime is Mustafi. So, of course, we need additions. Mm. Um, And one thing, this is just a small bit of information that I heard kind of on the grapevine, which had come from one of the guys, one of the new executive team running Arsenal, who said that this summer... Uh, this was prior to the transfer window, this is a couple of months ago, there was going to be an emphasis on signing, in their words, men. Now, men, not boys. Make of that what you, men, not boys, exactly. Now, I don't know if, if that refers to age profile or character, but it seems that there was a kind of internal or how much hair they have on their back. That's the true measure or chest of a man. Or, yeah. yeah, exactly. I think, well, yeah, I, no. <laughs> Socrates looks quite helmy, he- uh, hairy, actually, to be fair. So maybe that is the measure, yeah. but... I yeah I don't know where I don't know exactly who where that came from but I know that that was something on the agenda and these you know these signings maybe are an indicator that that is being carried through but I expect I expect most of the money to go on a central midfielder yeah. this summer. That's yeah. what I think is going to happen. Me too, me too. And you can make you can see the sense in it. I mean, it's not particularly exciting. You know, there's nobody going to get. Um, Nobody's going to lose their shit over signing Papastathopoulos and and Licksteiner. They're not going to be dancing in the streets on deadline day for those kind of signings. But if you're looking at the age profile of your squad and you feel it's too imbalanced, or if you're looking at your squad and you say, look, we've got some really good young players here that we want to give more time to. We've got Maitland-Niles, we've got Mavropanos, we've got Joe Willock, we've got Reese Nelson. We've got young, talented players who can make the grade here at Arsenal, but... We need to give them a bit more of a grounding. We need to give them a bit more of an opportunity uh, not to just be thrown in to sink or swim at Europa League level. For example, you've got to be able to mix up your your Europa League group stage team with youth and experience, as Arsene Wenger tried to do. And maybe that will uh, prove to be a benefit. You know, you can see why they're going to go for guys who've been around the block a bit, who are leaders, who've won things. You know, Licksteiner's coming from Juventus. Winning is a great habit. You know, it's something you like to do when you're a player. And if you're coming somewhere else, you're going to demand the the players around you, uh, you know, get on board with that. You know, it's going to demand more of players who perhaps have been in comfort zones, as we've said. So I I can see I can see why they're going to do it. It's not particularly exciting. It's probably a bit safe. And I can understand why it's a bit safe as well, because, you know, we're going into a World Cup summer, which complicates things. As we all know, we've got a truncated transfer window closing on the 
on the uh, the 9th of August, I think it is, before the season starts. So the amount of time we have to get deals done is also particularly limited. So if they've made decisions and they've said, look, this is the way we're going to go, we're going to get these deals done, it's far better that than sitting around, you know, four or five days um till the transfer window closes and going, yes, well, you know, if we sign somebody, you'll be the first to know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, yeah. it's it's a different way of doing things. It is. It absolutely is. And also, I mean, you mentioned it on Licksteiner there. He becomes one of the very few players in this Arsenal squad who's won a league title. You know, that. I know that's not a realistic aim for us next season, but moving forward, you know, that kind of experience, I think it's only Danny Welbeck and Petr Cech who've done it in their time, in their career. So... I just think they're probably good characters to have around and I would rather us do business effectively now early uh, than wait until the last day and be panicking. I mean, yeah. what, what, just quickly, what do you think that these deals mean for our squad building at the defence? Do you think this is it? Do you think they need another centre-half on top of what we've got? Do you think they'll let anybody go, Holding or Chambers or anything like that? Um, well, given Holding, and, Holding just got a new deal, Chambers signed mm-hmm. a new deal, so there's obviously some, maybe the Chambers one is a little bit different. You know, Holding got a new deal when, around the time Arsene Wenger's announcement was made, something like that. It was yeah. there or thereabouts. So you've got to assume that decision was made by the, the football executive committee. Chambers was probably given a new deal uh, by Arsene Wenger, who wanted to, to keep him. You know, there was an issue with the, the Jack Wilshire deal. I think it was Arsene Wenger who was pushing for Jack Wilshire to sign a new deal. Whether Unai Emery wants Jack Wilshire to sign a new deal or whether that same deal is on the table for Jack, you know, we don't know. Um Mavropanos is is new, so he's obviously a Mislin capture. Uh, so he's one for the future. There's also the um, uh, the other Turkish guy whose name Kalgar. Kalgar Soyuncu. 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 Something like that. Yeah. So, um, God, I wish we'd just signed John Smith for fuck's sake. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we used to be the Invincibles, and now we're the Unpronounceables. Very good. Um, I. I I feel like perhaps if we're interested in him, there might be a departure. It might be a case that if we're going to bring in Soyuncu, then it could be Mustafi who would raise some funds. So you could probably mm. have a relatively cheap rebuild of your defense if you bring in Licksteiner on a free. You sell Mustafi for, what would you get, 20 million? Probably, given his, you know, his age and profile. Somebody would pay something around that for him uh, in the current market. That pays for the uh, for the young Turkish lad. You outlay on uh, Papastathopoulos, and that's sixteen million pounds to rebuild your your entire defence or to to change the structure of it. And then after that, you've got the the ability to invest a bit in your midfield and goalkeepers. So uh, we'll we'll wait and see what happens. Yeah, we will. We will. We any will. any other business before uh, um, we get into part two? Any other business? I guess Champions League final. Did you watch that? I did watch the Champions League final. I mean, I, 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 I'd had a couple of uh, a couple of beers when I was watching. I was watching it in Spain with a load of Real Madrid fans, and I found myself really rooting for Liverpool. I have to be honest, <laughs> because I just couldn't bear it. But Sergio Ramos, wow, wow, he is something else, isn't he? That guy. He really is a massive bastard. He really is. There's no yeah. question about it. I don't know why anybody's even surprised. He's been an absolute bastard his entire career. And, you know, there's no point getting hung up about it now. 
I mean, I mean, he's got the red cards to show for it. Hasn't yeah, he's like got a 25, 24, 25 red cards in his career. I mean, that's worse. That's worse than Vinnie Jones, probably. It's probably yeah. worse than Vinnie Jones and. I don't know, Patrick Vieira put together? I couldn't tell you. You know, it's a lot of red cards. He's a very, very, very good footballer, but hugely cynical. Um, you know, I thought the uh, the challenge on, on Salah was, I don't think he was actually aiming to hurt him that badly, but he knew by making that tackle there was the potential for that to happen, right? Um, yeah, I, I think it's the the way he holds the arm, because you would release it naturally, do you know what I yeah. mean? But he, he goes, let's take mm. him down with it. Um but I mean, is that uh, there's also a little clip? Have you seen where he elbows the goalkeeper in the head a little bit? Just yeah. before, I mean, I don't know. I don't think that excuses what the goalkeeper did after that. In no, fairness. he's a bit. He reminds me a bit of um, Fabianski, Carius, right? In the sense that you know he made some really good saves in that game. There yeah. was one, I think, Madrid had a goal disallowed, didn't they? Um, Offside, but yeah, Benzema was there. Yeah, it was yeah. offside. But, uh, you know, in the build-up to that, he made an absolutely fantastic save, save from Ronaldo's header. Um, mm. You know, but under pressure, he just loses his reason. I mean, what he was doing with that first goal is just... I can't even... <laughs> I just can't even begin to explain uh, what was going on there. Uh, the second goal, maybe he was affected by the... By the error for the first, do you think? Maybe yeah. his head was gone a bit, but um, yeah. Yeah, that's what Klopp said. You don't, He said he wouldn't make the second mistake if he didn't make the first one. But Maybe, I mean, yeah. uh, Gareth Bale can't be too happy, can he? I mean, he scored probably the greatest possible Champions League final goal and no one's really talking about it as much after the game. No, I mean, that's the interesting thing. Uh, it was an amazing goal, wasn't it? It was really brilliant. I mean, Zidane scored a fantastic goal in the, yeah. in the Champions League final. Uh, who was it against? Leverkusen, maybe? Yeah, Leverkusen, yeah. I think. And, uh, you know, that was a, a brilliant goal, but I think the Bale one is is better. Um, That's insane, yeah. Yeah, truly incredible. And then scoring, a you know, the, the goal to to seal the game. Uh, you know, what... I, what I am, hope he doesn't go to Man U this summer, I have to be honest. I hope he does. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, he's like injury prone. He's brilliant, but injury prone. And uh, I, I just can't wait for him to go and fall out with Mourinho. Because that's what I mean, happens. I would enjoy seeing what they would do with their front line. They already can't get Martial and Rashford into that team. So, yeah, quite what they would do with Bale and Alexis and Lukaku and mm. the rest. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, yeah, that was it. So, um, Champions League final. It's got to be toast for Carriers, though, right? Absolutely. Surely, surely, yeah. Uh, there's some talk about Liverpool buying the the Roma goalkeeper, isn't there? The Brazilian Allison, I think it is. Allison, yeah. Allison. But uh, I, they're talking about you know 50 million plus potentially for him. So I can't see us being in the running for that guy. No, I can't. I mean, we could sell them David Ospina. I think that would be straight swap. Yeah, straight swap. Yeah. That one. Uh. We give them the one from the 40 million and one. Here's David Ospina plus one. One pound. You know, that's a bus fare or something. I don't know. All right. Uh, we'll take a break. Well, we will come back in questions. Come back in questions? No, we'll come back and do we'll questions. We'll come back in questions. In question form. We'll come back in the uh, form. Yes, we will. Yes, gigantic question marks. All right, we'll be back. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra. This is the part of the show where we answer the questions you send to us on Twitter at Gunnerblog and at Arsblog, also on the Arsblog Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog. Uh, first question today is AFC Stew. He's at Gunner Stew. He says, can you answer the following? With the imminent signing of Socrates, are we taking a more philosophical approach to transfers under the new system? Oh, lovely. I see what you did there. <laughs> lovely stuff. I see. I, uh, to be honest, I saw I saw that question and, and read it and didn't get it. <laughs> ah, it's only when it's read out loud. It's only in the delivery. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Because he spells yeah. it differently. He does, Oh, of speaking course. of spelling, Oh yeah. by the way, um, do you remember I wrote that letter to uh, Arsene Wenger and oh, yeah. to him? And then yesterday... Um, I got home and I was opening my post and I had received uh, a, a very lovely response that he'd obviously uh, arranged to be sent out to those who uh, contacted him, which is very, very nice and very kind. Mm-hmm. But um, I did enjoy that the envelope uh, that I had, that I received the letter in, was addressed to Jane McNicholas. <laughs> Jane. <laughs> Jane, yeah. So thanks, Arson. Yeah. That's the strangest looking woman I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, while we're just uh, talking about Arson Banger very quickly, we had a question here who's uh it's from Saf Doe at Saf uh, Doe or S-A-F-D-O underscore. He says, while seniority at the back is something we need and the players we have uh, and the players uh, have great experience, do you think these links, talking about Papastathopoulos and uh, Liechtenstein, would have been met with the same agreeable acceptance if Wenger was in charge? And I just wanted to sort of address that very quickly. I think we need to start looking beyond, you know, Arsene Wenger now. Um mm. In the sense that there's no point in saying what would have happened if Arsene Wenger did this or what would happen if Arsene Wenger tried to do that or if we lose a game, imagine the reaction if we'd lost this under Wenger, all that kind of stuff. I just don't think there's any need for it. It doesn't serve any purpose. It doesn't do anybody any good other than it just creates this 
false argument, this argument that doesn't need to be argued in many ways. Mm. You know, I can see how if you look back and, you know, Wenger decided to sign a 34-year-old and a 29-year-old off the back of a terrible season, it would have been like, boo. I mean, I get it, but there's no point in in worrying about what, what it would have been like when Arsene Wenger was in charge. He's not in charge anymore. We've got um, Sven, we've got Raul, we've got Ivan, we've got uh, Unai Emery in charge. These are the guys who are making the decisions now. And it's what they do that we should be talking about and discussing and, and everything else and not this sort of straw man what, what it would have been like. So it's not really a criticism of the question. I just wanted to make that point because I see it around quite a lot. Yeah, I know what you mean. And, you know, I also think it's a little bit unfair on those incoming players because you're essentially potentially drawing parallels. You're saying, you know, Lichsteiner is going to be the equivalent of Sylvester or whatever it's going to be. You know, I think we've got to try and give as many people as possible a, a clean slate at this point. And uh, the club is being run in such a different way that drawing those parallels is relatively pointless at this stage. Yeah, I agree. So now you can uh, have a go at a real question. A real question. Well, let's have a question that looks forward then. Um, where's it gone? I had it. Oh, yes, here it is. Glenn Miller, who's at underscore Glenn Miller. Glenn says, it's that time of year again. What are your gross slash net spend predictions? <laughs> All right, I better write this down. Uh, so we can lose it and then not remember it. No, but I remember future. I got the last two. I, you know, even our <laughs> even our uh, Premier League predictions and everything else, I kept that. that Do you know good. what I we did? Good at that, Do you know what? how I did it? This was a piece of genius on my part. Obviously, I wrote it down on a piece of paper, which is, you know, what you do. But given my office is yeah. full of bits Nothing of paper. about got, this so far. Yeah, no. I took a picture of it with my telephonic device, my mobile device. I took a picture of Very it. Very smart. So it's always on my phone. Now, I have to scroll back about like a bazillion things because, uh, you know, it's just full of puppy pictures at the moment. But I will keep it. And that way we can have uh, at the end of the transfer window a reference point to see which one of us was most right or most wrong. So I'm going to let you go you, first you could... and I'll find a pad right. of paper. OK, you know, you can write it directly into your phone. That's an option as well. Listen here. Just don't get fucking <laughs> fancy now. I've got to write this down on paper first and then digitize okay. it. Okay, good luck with that. Okay, I'll let you find the paper. So I'll do my workings out while you're doing that. So yep, I've got a pad here. I, I suppose the way to do it is we do transfers in and then transfers out and then we've got the, the, the growth and the net spend as a yep. consequence, haven't we? So in, well, right, Lichstein is coming for free. Socrates, so how much are they saying Socrates or Socrates is going to cost? 16, About 16 million. million 16 million, yeah. Um, so that's 16. And then I think we're going to buy a central midfielder for, oh, I'm going to say £30 million. Right. So that's 36. And then I think we'll buy a keeper that's for... 46, by the way, if, if uh, you're adding oh. the, you know... If you add, if you oh you are you adding it correctly? Oh, I was yeah, different, sorry, yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, I was yeah. adding just, it in my own way. Yeah, 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 your own maths. You want to do traditional maths, yeah. normal maths. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Normal, we're playing normal maths rules, are we? Yeah, okay, yeah, fine. I think so. So, uh, <laughs> and then I I'll have a goalkeeper for thirteen million pounds. Okay. So what does that? I'm not even going to hazard a. I think that's okay. About so so million that's quid. fifty-nine million pounds. 
is what you think we're going to spend. That's what I think we're going to spend. And I think we're going to receive, um, I think a couple of people are going to freeze, aren't they? Because all are potentially Wilshire. I don't think we're going to sell Aaron Ramsey. I think we're going to somehow convince him to stay or just refuse to sell him. I think we'll sell David Ospina. Right. Or, I mean, a bag of coal or something like that. Uh, No, uh, three million pounds. (coughs) Is that harsh? Sorry. I don't know. Sorry, I'm sick. I wasn't just exactly laughing just you about choking it. The idea someone might play several million pounds for David Ospina. <laughs> no, honestly, uh, he sickness. might have a good World Cup. Yeah, and then uh, we'll sell Carl Jenkinson for I don't know two million pounds, maybe. No, we won't. So that's five million. No way. You don't think we'll get two million pounds no. for Carl Jenkinson? No. I think Jenkinson. Well, will I think go we might get. I think we'll get a bit more for Spina, a bit less for Jenkins. But I think that's it. I think five million quid going out. Okay. I think that's it. All right. Well, I... Okay, we've got the 16 million on the table for uh, Papastathopoulos. I reckon we're going to spend 40 million pounds on a central midfield player. Oh. So that takes us to 56 million pounds. And then I think we're going to spend 20... Fifteen million pounds on a goalkeeper. I don't know who it is, though. Don't ask me. I've got absolutely no idea, to be honest. No. Yeah. So, and then I think we're gonna do another little sneaky one somewhere. So, what, what like a, a little Mavropanos one? Yeah, maybe a little four or five million jobby. So I've got forty and sixty and fifteen and another four. So that takes us to, I'm just doing traditional maths here. Just bear with me as 10 and 5 is carry the 1 and then 1, uh, 5, 75 million pounds I think we're going to spend. I think just out of go- curiosity, who, what position do you think that sneaky 5 million pounds is going on? I think it could be a, a, a forward, an attacker, right. a young guy. I don't yeah. know who though. I don't the know. The new who. Joel Campbell. Yeah. You know, uh, n- neither of us have got us spending £35 million on a 21 year old Turkish centre half, I notice. That's very true. Hmm. Um, hmm. I just can't see us spending that amount of money on a, on a, another defender, but there you go. I Yeah, okay. I'm going to leave that £21 million on the side, but I think we could sell. I think we could sell Danny Welbeck. Okay. I think we might sell Mustafi. Maybe. I'll put that in the the maybe. I think we're going to sell Joel Campbell. We're going to sell Lucas Perez. You know? I forgot Joel Campbell. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Joel Campbell kind of goes in the same same bracket as the Carl Jenkinson, Ospina, you know, thing. You're not going to get a great deal of money for Joel Campbell. You might get seven or eight million for Lucas Perez, so I'm I'm saying a spend of seventy five, potentially ninety six million if we go with the Turkish centre half. But I think we could bring in probably around forty million in sales. That's what I think, giving us a net spend of somewhere around fifty six million pounds or fifty million. Can I raise 50, my 50 um, Go on. Can I raise my sales figure from... It's 5 million at the moment, yeah. isn't it? Can I raise it to 10? 
10 million. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what so what's my net spend? Your net spend is uh so 10 million away from 59 is 49 million. Is your net spend is so 49 both of our net million. Spends. Our, yeah, mine is 56 million ish. Mm. But you've got us bringing in a lot more from sales and thus spending more money. Yeah. Haven't you? Yeah. I just so. worry about getting offloading some of these guys. I think it's going to be tricky. It is. It is. But, you know, hang on a minute. You're. <laughs> I just threw a pen and it bounced about three feet in the air. <laughs> but, you know, this is your fucking job now, you fuckers, right? I'm not talking I to you. To me. I was no, like, I'm not I talking think to you. Misunderstood. I'm talking. To, <laughs> I'm talking to the other fuckers, right? This this yeah. uh, indecisiveness and indecision and dilly dallying and dawdling when it comes to transfers, that's a thing of the goddamn past. These are the people that are going to come in and run things differently. They're going to be ruthless. They're going to get rid of underperforming players. They're not going to hang on to the likes of Joel Campbell and Carl Jenkinson and maybe even Lucas Perez, you know, whose whose futures have been, well, maybe Perez, you know, Spanish guy, might might yeah, be a, a thing that Emery likes. Maybe, you know, anyway. But even if we keep Perez, I think it could be because Danny Welbeck will go. Uh, That's fair. You know, the, the, you know, he's got one year left on his contract. Is he going to sign a new one? Mm. So what do you do? Is he going to want to stay and play second, third fiddle to uh, Aubameyang and Lacazette? Don't know. Does he want to be an occasional wide player or does he want to play at 27 years of age as football somewhere else? Play regularly as a striker, which is what he wants to do. This is why I think Welbeck could be could be on the way out. Um, so, yeah, look, the point is, is that these fuckers have got yes. to get that stuff done. No point us sitting around here talking about it like assholes on a podcast nothing to do with us. We're just guessing. It's these these guys with their fancy names and their badges and their offices and their names on the office. And they probably got their name on one of those things on the front of their desk as well, just in case you forgot the name between the time you entered the door of the office and you sat down in front of the guy whose name you probably knew anyway because you've arranged a meeting with him. I'm just saying that they have all the, uh, all the, all the bits and pieces. They've got all these bells and whistles. There's no point us sitting here chirping like canaries. They've got to get it done. Now, if anybody can make any sense... Exactly. Blow the whistles. Exactly. If they can make any sense of anything I've said in the last three minutes, then fair play. Because I lost my train of thought there a a little bit along the way. I think we got it. I think we got it. Uh, okay. Basically, you want someone to buy Joel Campbell for forty million? I think is what you were saying. Yeah, yeah. No, look, I'm just saying they have got to get the work done. There's a lot of work to get done, and you know, if some of the inefficiencies of the previous regime or era, I should say, rather than regime, I think that's a better word. If some of the the inefficiencies have held us back, then do they not, as a matter of freshness and newness? have to be addressed by the people who knew that these things were happening and could do nothing about them. But now they can. They can do stuff about it. And if they don't do stuff about it, well, then shame on them. Then they've got us moaning on a podcast to deal with. Exactly. Nobody it's wants hell of that. a consequence. Nobody There's a lot at stake. Here's a question. It comes from Al Gilmore, who's at... Uh, AJG71 and he says is anyone other than me in brackets 
as interested in what Emery can get out of the squad he inherited than for all the understandable fervor fans have for transfers. I want to see coaching. I want to see midfielders getting goal side when we lose possession. I want defenders protected, etc. 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 Yes, et I'm really excited about it. I mean, I alluded to it in in part one when I spoke about the young players who haven't kicked on, as you might expect, uh, on, at Arsenal. And I think there is big potential for a lot of players to improve under Emery. And that's sort of what's really exciting about next season, isn't it? Is that in a way, everybody in the squad is potentially like a new signing. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, we don't know how they'll respond to these new coaching methods. And I think there are certain individuals... I mean, Granit Xhaka is one who immediately springs to mind as someone who I think could really benefit from working with Emery. I don't know if you noted, but in that extensive Emery interview, he spoke about the role of a defensive yeah. midfielder and how he, how he feels that, you know, someone like a Busquets or even a, a Xavi Alonso... Uh, they do have deficiencies without the ball, but you know, given that you have possession seventy percent of the time as a big team, that's a sacrifice he's prepared to make. And I was reading all this and thinking, well, Shaka needn't worry about his place. Then I think he's going to be right at the heart of our midfield mm. under Emery, uh, and I, I really look forward to seeing how he might blossom uh, moving forward. I, I, I really look forward to seeing what he might be able to get out of Hector Bellerin, Alex Iwobi, uh, you know. Alex Iwobi is another one. You know, Emery spoke about the pressing game and how much he, uh, you know, loves that. And I think when you look at Iwobi, he has the athleticism he to potentially do that. I just don't think he's been... I don't think he's been instructed how to do it in a disciplined way. But when you think about his performance at Stamford Bridge last season, the way he put together a really strong defensive performance as a sort of multifunctional forward... In a coherent pressing formation, he he could be a really useful yeah. squad player or more. So, I, I really am encouraged by uh, by the appointment and what it might mean for the existing squad. I mean, what about the young defenders as well? Callum Chambers, yep. Rob Holding. For the past twenty years at Arsenal, I know we don't want to look back too much. It's been such a difficult environment for young defenders. In a, in you know, with these changes that have been made to the coaching structure of the club. Could it be a friendlier environment? Could it be somewhere where young defenders can push on, can improve, yeah. can turn into the players? They look like they have the potential to be. Mm. Uh, yeah, I agree with that completely. I'm very curious to see what he gets out of some of the players, perhaps who have been written off or or, or people have uh, doubts about. Can he get more out of them because of his better organisation or better discipline or, or perhaps the way he sets up his team? And just, you know, I think inevitably there are going to be players who thrive in a new environment just because it's new and because it's different and some players will really take to his methods and as I said earlier some won't and uh, and we'll see we'll see where that goes just before you get a question off uh, here's one from West Antone who says having had well publicised issues with Neymar at PSG how do you think Unai Emery will deal with Mesut Ozil at Arsenal do you see any similarities between Neymar and Ozil? I do think it's a, a different kettle of fish. I mean, it's interesting as well. I'm not necessarily sure. I'm not sure issues is, is the right word. I don't think there was particular personal problems from what I've read between Emery and Neymar. It was just a consequence of one player having so much influence at a club that it became uh, difficult for a manager. You know, as he said himself, Neymar is the leader of PSG. You know, it's not like uh, certain clubs where the manager is the is the main figurehead. I'm not sure Ozil quite has that status at Arsenal, although the sheer amount of money we're paying him 
does kind of give him a significant leeway, doesn't it? Mm. I'm uh, curious to see what he'll get out of Ozil and how he'll use him and, uh, you know, yeah. whether... Whether he plays against Newcastle at any point <laughs> during his uh, during his managerial sure. tenure, yeah, you know, I I don't uh, I don't think Ozil is quite the same as Neymar in terms of the the the, the hangers on and the the entourage or whatever. But certainly, he's a guy. I think Neymar is indulged by PSG, the club, and Ozil was. Um, indulged a bit by Arsene Wenger, so that that dynamic has changed. Hmm. I, 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 it's it's one of the really interesting cases to watch, isn't it? Because when Emery talks about you know the intensity of the pressing he asks for from players, I actually think Ozil has the physical capacity to do that. You know, he's a very fit guy. Uh, does he have the will to submit himself to a system? You know, that that is the question. And or, to what extent is it? Oh, go on. Or is the system set up to allow Ozil to? Not to not do any of that stuff, but maybe when you do have a creative genius in a way, maybe you've got to put something in place that ensures, okay, if he's not going to do all that work, and I think sometimes his his um, his defensive work is is overlooked, the amount that he runs and the sprints he makes and everything else, you know, he's not going to be the guy who's going to chase back and win balls all the time. But you know, I do think there's a a perception that he does nothing, and I don't think that's fair. But maybe if you allow him to focus more on what he needs to do in the final third, rather than say, how do we get Mesut Ozil to defend better? Maybe that's the way to go. Yeah. I mean, and to quote that Emery, well, not quote, to paraphrase that Emery interview once again, he talks about how the value of a stroke of genius of any one great player can be worth more than the coaching sometimes. You know, ultimately, it's the guys on the field who can be decisive. And Ozil does have that capacity to be decisive. So yeah, it, it will be a really fascinating one to watch. And as someone who has been maybe a little bit indulged, well, I don't think there's any maybe about it, who has been a bit indulged by the previous... Uh, previous regime, it will be interesting to see how he responds mm. to the new environment. And, you know, might be one, could go either way, couldn't it? It might be one of those yeah. we talked about next summer being interesting. It might be one of those that proves to be mm. uh, part of that. All right. Uh, uh, your question. A question. Yeah. Well, I t- this, this is not a, a question. Uh, it's more a command, actually. Oh. And it, it's uh, on a subject that uh, has come up frequently over the last few months. I'm not sure how much more frequently it will come up. It's from Tiki Shaka who is at Lassie Lays on Twitter. And Tiki Shaka says, tell us something about the Jack Wilshire situation. He hasn't signed a new deal. <laughs> That's uh, it. That's all we can tell him, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have a feeling that he'll go. Yeah, I, uh, that's it. That's it. I just They're think, leaving it late, if not, aren't they? Yeah, Extremely late. Yeah, absolutely. I just don't think it would be going on this long. If there was any kind of agreement between the player and the club, it would be done. It would be done. And I, I just don't see anything other than him departing on a Bosman, which I think might well be a good thing for him. It might well be a good thing for Arsenal because we've got to, to address our midfield issues anyway. And... You know, it's a shame that it hasn't worked out the way we all hoped it would when Jack Wilshire emerged as a an amazing, precocious young talent. But that's unfortunately the way football goes sometimes. And uh, that's as much as I can tell you. My my gut feeling is that he will go. Yeah. And, it's, you know, we know how much uh, Jack 
cares about playing for England, I can't help but feel that maybe his exclusion from the World Cup squad might have sort of been the straw that broke the camel's back. I wonder if that made him think, look, if I, mm. if I want to be playing international football, I need to be doing playing more regularly yeah. than I have been at club level. And that might be a big factor for him. Mm, OK, here's a question from Abhishek Subramanian. I hope I got that right. He says, apart from Mavropanos, has Sven really diamond-eyed at Arsenal? I don't know what diamond eye it is, but I, I, I can kind of guess what he means. Um, diamond eyes. I guess, you know, eyes. if you've got diamond eyes, you... I mean, if you had actual diamonds for eyes, you would be a terrible scout. You would be, because the light would reflect everywhere, wouldn't it? You wouldn't be able to see anything. You'd, you know, like a spy... Like a well, you see a million of everything, yeah. I guess. We I don't should, know. We should sign a million of that young guy who's playing at right backs. Anyway, yeah. um... <laughs> He says almost if all... that works, our scouts would all be insects. Anyway, uh, he, he, so he says what? He says, sorry, I'm dying here. No, you're just choking. Yeah, again. yeah that's sorry. again, yeah. Uh, he says almost all of the players we've bought or been linked with have a Dortmund history. Of course, uh, Obama Yang, um, Henrik Mkhitaryan, and um, uh, Papastathopoulos. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, you know... Does it feel a bit safety first to you? Is this something we should be concerned about? You know, did we bring in a head of recruitment just to recruit players from his old club or should we be expecting more? He absolutely blagged the interview, didn't he? He was just like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know everyone in world football. All of them. uh, All of them. I know that guy. I know that guy from Dortmund. This guy. guy Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) You know, I know this guy as well. He plays for yeah. uh, Dortmund. He's great. I can't remember. Who does he play for now? I, t- I can't. Oh. Dortmund. Yeah, it yeah. is Dortmund. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, 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 oh. What about the guy at Dortmund? You know that guy at Dortmund? He's really good. <laughs> I swear he's great. I know him. He's got, he's got one number in his phone. <laughs> it's for Dortmund. <laughs> the Borussia Dortmund think- uh, uh, front desk. It feels a bit like we we sort of wanted to hire their scout, but he wasn't the guy doing all the work. Do you know what I mean? There's a guy with no profile who's the real genius, and we've just got the guy. The guy was like, yeah, no, that was me. I found those guys. Um, it is a bit uh, odd, I suppose, but are we complaining that we signed Aubameyang? Are we complaining that we signed Mkhitaryan? I no. don't think we are, right? I think we're sort of generally very happy with those deals. Um, soccer artists will we, remains to be seen, doesn't it? What we what we get there, but that we have explained there is a kind of logic to it. I think that it's not what we imagined he would do, is it? We thought we were going to get much more Mavropanos. You know, they thought the balance would be different. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. But look, you know, this is um, it's this early. Is, it's early in the in the summer, so I think we need to give the guy a full transfer window, obviously, to see what else he can bring in. You know, Mavropanos is one that's um, apparently has got the hallmarks of Sven all over him. He's got the Sven branding. Uh, you mm. know, as a transfer. Obama Yang and Mikatarian, I think they're such experienced quality players. The fact that they were at Dortmund together was something actually when they signed, we were talking about it being a really good thing. We were talking about it being a great yeah. thing because they could get on the same wavelength. So I don't see uh, any real problem with that. If Papastatopoulos can come in and be an experienced centre half, then that's fine. You know, who else is out there on this market that we know well or or can be sure about? You know, perhaps there's an element of that where he knows the guy, he knows his personality, he knows his 
his capabilities and his qualities and says, look, this is the guy who we need right at this moment in time. You know, I can vouch for this guy rather than just having scouting reports from different clubs and, and different scouts, et cetera, et cetera. You know, maybe it is a bit safety first, but maybe with defense and central defense, there's nothing wrong with being a little bit safety first. So I think it's down to what else he brings in this summer. Who else are we yeah. going to go after? Who have we targeted? Who have we identified? And who can we sign? Assuming there are going to be no more Borussia Dortmund uh, linked players. I mean, there can't be. Surely not. Usman Dembele. That's the one. That's the one everyone's hoping. Well, for. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen either. You know, you don't you don't buy a player for a hundred odd million pounds or, or euros or whatever it is, and then loan him out the next season, which is uh, what people are talking about. Dembele being loaned to Arsenal from that Barcelona. Seems... I'd be staggered, staggered if that was the case. But you know, I I think we have to give Mislinta a bit more time to see what he's about. Um. In reality, Aubameyang and Mkhitaryan probably, not that they didn't have anything to do with him, they were probably, um, it probably made it a bit easier to get those deals done because he was at the club. But, you you know, you don't need to be the former head of recruitment at Borussia Dortmund to know that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is going to score you goals, right? So, or that Henry Mkhitaryan is a really good player. So, it's really about what else he does. So, you know, the first podcast after the window closes, then it's like thumbs up for Sven or thumbs down or thumbs somewhere in the middle. I don't know. Well, and arguably even that would be too soon because we don't know how these players are going to perform. And you know, what, we have to wait and see how they perform. I know it's a it's a it's a radical <laughs> idea. Uh, it's not going to make many headlines or get many downloads. But listen, let's let's try it. But I think um, on the subject of Papastathopoulos. Uh, that's his song. <laughs> Do you have way. to he sing his name? Composed it then. Yeah, always, always. That's the only way I can remember it. Um, on the switch of him, I've seen people say, "Well, why not go for Johnny Evans?" And I, and I, you know, I, I mean, I know Evans has been linked with us in the past, but if people are worried that Papastathopoulos had a bad season last year, at least he wasn't relegated and caught stealing a taxi drunk, half, you know, halfway through the relegation battle. I mean, that's you fair. Know, I think. Yeah, that seems fair, right? So I, I think we've got to wait and see how he does. I, I'm not that worried about Mislintat at the moment. I think we've got to judge him on what else he does in the summer. I think these deals are all about plugging holes in the squad, but saving the majority of the money for central midfield. I'm absolutely certain of that. And if we don't bring in a central midfielder this summer, then you know I, I will unleash Riot. my Sven rage. Exactly. We will riot uh, with pitchforks we'll and flame riot torches. on Twitter. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, I, uh, speaking of songs, just uh, you know, if uh, if uh, if the Greek guy comes in from Borussia Dortmund and starts telling us how to live our lives, we'll have to sing Papastathopoulos. Don't preach. <laughs> I think we can just make that work. Just about. Terms, you know, I yeah. think we'll just squeeze that in. Squeeze it. But. Um, Another thing to mention about that deal, the Socrates deal, is that uh, he shares an agent with Mavropanos. And it's an agent that Mislintat has uh, a decent enough relationship with. And unfortunately, that is part of the practicalities of the transfer market. That mm. We've brought Mislintat in, yes, because his eyes are made of diamonds, but also because he has extensive contacts in European football. And, and sometimes that helps you do a deal quicker 
or easier or cheaper. And I'm sure that's been a factor in what's happening here. So mm. I, I, th- I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think, if anything, Arsenal have suffered a little bit in recent years from maybe not having enough strong relationships with certain agents. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. And a few people have wondered if the signing of Papastathopoulos has got to do something uh, with Mavropanos as well, having a fellow Greek mm. international or Greek player. He's not an international yet, but having somebody else at the club who, who perhaps could be a guiding light for a young guy who at 20 years of age has still got a lot to learn, you know, to have somebody yeah. of the, the same nationality and uh, similar background or experiences might well be uh, a helpful thing. I don't think it's really a huge consideration, you know. Uh, it's not like when you buy a player in football manager, or certainly you used to in championship manager, and you get homesick. You know, you buy some guy from... So you buy his mate. Yeah, yeah. you buy his mate, and he, they're both feeling better. It's I don't think it works quite like that. But um, but there we go. So, yeah. Well, no, I, there is something to that just in terms of experience. You know, we've lost Per Mertzsacker from the playing staff this summer. He's not going to be out there on the training ground every day. And we know he played a really active role, you know, in, in the development of Callum Chambers, in the development of Rob Holding, taking them aside, having the odd word here and there. And for Mavropanos to have a figure like that uh, as a kind of role model is, is no bad thing at all. Yeah, OK. Uh, that's fine. I was going to say something, but I've completely forgotten what it was. Uh, so sure. anyway, we'll wait. We'll wait. Uh, that's the thing. We're giving Sven time to to prove himself, which seems crazy, crazy. But you know, we're we're willing to go there. Uh, Felix Davis wants to know. He's at Felix LDD on Twitter. He says, "Of all the players we've been linked to, who is the person you most wanted that ended up being a massive bullet dodged?" I was gutted we didn't get a young Ryan Babel, and my younger brother nearly cried when Roque Santa Cruz went to Man City. Ooh. I mean, I was gutted about Ryan Babel as well. I thought he looked very, very exciting. I was very excited about Royston Drenter. Do you remember Royston Drenter? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he went to Real Madrid and then just did he he ended up at Reading. Or Blackburn or something? Yeah, he, he had a bit of a, a, a disastrous career in the end. I'll tell you, I know my answer to this because it was around the time, I think it was around 2004, maybe maybe it was just after the Invincible season, not sure. And it was around the time Dennis Burkamp was approaching the end of his career and this guy looked as if he had all the talent necessary to be a successor and he ended up going to Liverpool and that was Harry Kuehl. And I was certain that Harry Kuehl was going to be an absolute star for Arsenal and it was so close to getting over the line and as we know he never quite took off at Liverpool and his career never really panned out to be what we thought he might be so yeah, yeah that's that's my answer Harry Kuehl were you excited about Harry Kuehl? No no I remember it being no. announced that it was <laughs> remember it being announced that it was a done deal Arsenal sign Harry Kuehl I can't remember one that got away but I think um, one that strikes me is I remember being so, so keen for us to sign. Actually, it, it, it came to pass later. Uh, Julio Baptista, when yeah, he was that's playing a great one as well, when he was playing for Sevilla, Sevilla, we were really linked with him in a big way. And I remember thinking, oh, this guy looks the absolute fucking business. I really want to. I mean, we did. Did we not have like years ago on the on the Arse blog forum? a big huge beast watch thing that that was it was like everybody was everybody was into the signing of Julio Baptista it didn't happen and then mm. he went to Real Madrid and eventually came to us on loan and it was like a year <laughs> later yeah oh my god oh why it was why? extraordinary wasn't it we yeah. uh, i think it was the summer that we sold 
uh, Patrick Vieira, was it? 2005. And Baptista was earmarked as a kind of alternative it replacement. Was he was 2006, be- I think. I think right. it was the summer right. we brought in Gallas. We did the swap deal with Ashley Cole. We also... Did we not sign... Danielson. I think that's when he actually arrived, isn't it? 2006. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it was 2005 that we were trying to buy him and he went to Madrid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. And, uh, yeah, and and, and Vieira went to Juve and, you know, he was going to restructure the midfield and turn Baptista into this box-to-box beast. And, yeah, and then we swapped him for Reyes. Reyes went on loan to Madrid for a season, didn't he? And won the the league over there. Yeah. with Real before ultimately signing for Atletico. But yeah, I mean, he was, he was, I mean, he scored four goals at Anfield and to be honest, that's all we really remember him for. But well, didn't he, he, he didn't, not... didn't he say something about, um, you know, the only pure goal is an overhead kick or something like that? <laughs> I mean, you have something... to admire that. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. There was some quote from him about overhead kicks which I remember thinking was quite amusing because he did try a couple when he was with us. And they, oh, he tried it all the time. Yeah, yeah they, they didn't <laughs> really, really work. They didn't really work out. They did not really work out. Um, but yeah, I think that's the one that that strikes me. Um, that was that's a great one because not only were we excited about it, but we then we then later got to see our folly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We yeah. Had, the proof was the pudding was eventually produced. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, all right, have you got one more or not? I'm not sure if... I, oh, I'll tell you what I do, actually. Okay. I don't keep following this story. Gunner Pride, at Gunner underscore Pride, is not happy. Gunner Pride says, Arsenal reportedly failed with a late bid for Fabinho no, we after didn't. the news emerged about no, Liverpool. We no, we if we really wanted him, why did it take interest from Liverpool to make us act? I no, Yeah, I, I, I feel similarly to you about this one. No way. Uh, you know, I just don't believe that for one second. Liverpool got that deal done... Uh, under the radar. They didn't just do it when the, you know, in the wake of the Champions League final. Uh, they didn't say, oh, we better make everyone feel better. We'll go out and buy Fabinho. Yeah. They're yeah, going to they- play him in goal. I, think. <laughs> I wouldn't blame them. Um, yeah. But, you know, you know, no, I don't think so. I don't think there's anything uh, in that at all about Arsenal. Um, no, I, I don't just buy it. It's an easy it. way to generate interest, isn't it, yeah, Mention Arsenal? it sure is. I've got a couple of quick ones to finish. Uh, Go on, then. All right, here is... All right, I've lost... I've lost it, James. I've lost... Not, These aren't not, the quickest of quick. What, what, what? Do you remember them vaguely? And you can just sort of okay, ask me some yeah, questions. Yeah. Jonathan Baxter says, does Emery look like a Velcro or a zipper kind of a guy? Because that is the issue we need to figure out about our new manager. It's a new regime. It's got to be Velcro from here forward, I think. What's wrong with buttons? That's true, actually. Bring back buttons. Buttons. Play good old Arsenal as the teams run out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. That's what we That's what we need to do. And the final one then comes from uh, Santa Jamie, who's at Santa Jamie. And he says, would you rather eat a handful of hair or lick three public telephones? Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> There's a public phone box near me. Yeah. And I'm not sure anyone uses it anymore because it's, you know, got... Unless they're spies or something, because, you know, we all have mobiles. But the stench, it's like a portal. Have you seen... If, when you go in there, it's like going into the upside down. It is unbelievable in there. Really? Um, I'm going to eat the hair. I mean, I'm not happy about it, though. <laughs> Whose hair is it? I don't know. 
I don't know whether it's dog hair or human hair. Like I, I, I it's my own hair, right? I you, guess. you don't have enough to eat a handful. Listen, I don't have enough <laughs> taste buds to be licking phones. I mean, yeah. What would you do? I think I go with the public telephones. Just the idea of um, of uh, the hair would really get stuck in the yeah, throat. I just, I just would not be able to do that. But and I, I think, at the moment, I think What's you on? see the thing is, public telephones are so far or so rare these days that you would be able to say uh, go on a nice day out go on a nice hike or walk so you could you know find one public telephone then by the time you've found another public telephone you'll have washed away the the initial uh you know lick of the telephone and that that'd be fine i i'd rather do that than eat okay. hair i'm going to stick with i'm going to stick with the hair but I'm between the devil and the deep blue sea here, yeah. guys. It's not an easy one. No, definitely not. Anyway, as ever, we answer the big questions I suppose here. that was the idea. Yeah. Good question. Good question. All right. Well, look, we will be back uh, next Monday with another Arsecast Extra. I'm not sure what's going to happen with Friday yet, whether anything will happen uh, to, to merit a podcast. But if it does, uh, I'll be here. We'll get something together for you. Uh, thank you, as ever, for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.